Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and we're going to be continuing our exposition of the book of James. The book of James, and um, I'm, I'm just excited about this message. I, I really uh, <laughs> had to labor a lot, which that's pretty much the case with me anyways. But uh, over this message, and, and I, I believe it blessed our church, and I want to share it with our listeners um, picking up where we left off in James chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 18. And so far in James, just to catch you up, we, he's talked about the danger of the tongue. And we think about the tongue. We think about talking, obviously, how uh, words are powerful, etc. And he's mentioned wisdom uh, in back in chapter 1. And then he kind of circles back to wisdom here again. Of course, I'm speaking of in chapter 1 when he stated, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so he comes back to that. Now, I want to ask you a question. What does the world consider wise? What does the world consider wise? When we look out at our world, they have a, a sort of wisdom. And the world's wisdom says, Get all you can. Can all you get, step on whoever you have to step on to get it, and uh, make lots of money, and be savvy in business, and accumulate just all the materials you can accumulate. We look at businessmen, uh, we look at Warren Buffett, and we say, oh, he is a wise man. Look at all his riches. We look at um, just any number of, we think of the guy that started Apple, and his name just left me, but. Uh, we say, what a, what a wise man. And um, typically, that, that's how the world defines wisdom, wise in the ways of the world. But what James does here is he delivers to us what true wisdom is according to God. And we look at James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so I simply want to go through James's definition that was given to him by the Holy Spirit, all scriptures inspired of God, of what true wisdom is. What true wisdom is. So first we're going to see the display of true wisdom in verse 13. Although some believe James is solely talking to those who wish to become teachers as if to connect this section strictly back to verse 1. I, I don't think that's the case because the principle here is so universally applied to pastors and laypersons alike, to all believers. James begins with a rhetorical question, and I want you to note the possible sarcasm. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. James' message to those who consider themselves wise and intelligent, who believe they have the right answers, is to prove it by a lifestyle of righteousness. 
Now, I recognize the old King James says conversation, but that word doesn't mean what it meant in 1611. Conversation in 1611 meant lifestyle. Today, it means talking. You could say, I'm having a conversation with you right now. But anyways, it simply means lifestyle. The point is this. True wisdom will manifest itself in action, not just in deed. Now, in James' day, wisdom was the desire of the Greeks. Remember, the culture he spoke to, although they were Jewish, predominantly written to a Jewish church in Jerusalem, they were heavily influenced by Greek culture. They were Hellenistic, as it's termed. They studied philosophy and would sit in the marketplaces, as the Greeks, that is, in the temples and debate and discuss abstract concepts. We think of Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates, to name a few. However, this sort of wisdom was talk and no action. What good is that? Really, in truth, it is foolish. James says, if you claim to be wise in the ways and word of God, then prove it by your actions. If your religion is only intellectual, it is useless. It is useless. Dr. Bob Utley put it this way. Faith without works is dead. May I add, wisdom without works is dead. This passage can be difficult if we fail to realize the difference between wisdom and intelligence. Intelligence is the possession of many facts from education. Wisdom is the sense in how to apply or to use those facts. As the late pastor Chuck Smith said, many people are incredibly intelligent, but also incredibly stupid. I've met several of them. For example, intelligence knows that a black widow spider is extremely poisonous and possibly deadly. Wisdom knows not to pick it up because it is dangerous. So in relation to James' definitions of wisdom, it is one thing to know the word, But to see it displayed in one's life represents that he or she truly has that wisdom that comes from God. James, in short, and very short, I might add, has given the display of true wisdom. In other words, he says, here's the display of true wisdom. Here's what it looks like, a righteous lifestyle. And that's how you know somebody has true wisdom from God. Then he moves on to tell us the definition of true wisdom. So we see the display Now the definition in verses 14 through 17. He he describes it in the negative and in the positive, telling us what it is and what it is not. You know, oftentimes when we are trying to describe something, we find it useful to describe what it is not. For example, my wife often asks me to taste a dessert or a cake she has cooked, and she will ask, is it sweet? Is it bitter? Is it too sweet? Does it taste like A, B, or C? Whatever. So, for example, I may describe it by stating what it does not taste like, such as this coconut cake does not really taste like coconut, or this is not sweet, it's bitter. So I'm describing it in the negative. I'm saying what it is not, so I can more fully describe what it is. So that's what James is doing. He says false wisdom, that is really no wisdom at all, is described in verses 14 through 16. Notice he describes bitter envy and self-seeking. This is not the marks of heavenly wisdom. These are sinful attributes, signs of one who lives by the standards and ideas of the world and not certainly not of the kingdom of God. He then says, do not boast and lie against the truth. In other words, do not claim to be filled with the wisdom from God if you behave in such a way because you are clearly lying. Many consider themselves wise in the ways of God 
but their religion never makes it from their head to their heart. Take, for example, the Pharisees. They considered themselves wise in the way of God. They knew the Old Testament better than anyone, and yet they could not apply it in their own lives because as intelligent as they were, they were not wise enough to see that Jesus was the Messiah sent from God Almighty. You see, true wisdom cannot be generated from man, but it must come from above, from God, as we'll see later in verse 17. Nevertheless, in verse 15, James continues, This wisdom, that is the false wisdom he's talking about, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. This wisdom that is centered on self is from hell. And in actuality, what James is saying is it's not really wisdom at all, but foolishness. Because in the end, this wisdom leads one to eternal damnation. And so is it really wisdom at all? No, it's not. It's foolishness. And so, <clears throat> now why would he refer to these sins such as envy and selfish ambition as wisdom? Well, it could be that they do follow a logical pattern. These people think, I have to do what is in my best interest, no matter what I have, who I have to step on to get there, etc. Which if someone is ap operating as if God does not make ex exist, then this makes sense. But if God does exist, and he, we know that he does, to live in, self, in a selfish way is completely foolish because it will only bring judgment and sorrow. So again, this wisdom he describes as earthly is really no wisdom at all. It's foolishness. But yet we find, uh, but yet we find not, excuse me, I got tongue-tied reading my own notes. We find that there are no self-proposed fools. They consider themselves wise. Many an intelligent person thinks him or herself to be wise. Yet if they refuse to bow the knee to Christ and live for him, they're most miserable of all fools. For example, the business-savvy man who worships money may be wise in a sense. We say, well, he's made millions hand over fist. But if he fails to address his own soul, he's a fool because bank accounts don't matter in hell. Now, James moves to further define what wisdom is. He has defined what it is not and now what it is. Notice the connection is made by the conjunction, but he is contrasting two wisdoms, as it were. He states in verse 17, but the wisdom, and I'm talking about the true wisdom, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, just as true faith produces good works, true wisdom produces a high quality of life. Remember, my granny have the intelligence of this world. She may not have had a degree from Harvard, much less didn't even have a high school diploma. Well, she killed herself. So who was the true fool? Notice the character of true wisdom. It is pure, morally clean. It is in line with God's word. Then we are agreeable. Now these words connotate someone who is led by the Spirit and not by their own desires. Again, it would be foolish to follow one's heart's desires because the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Moreover, the true possessor of heavenly wisdom will be gentle and considerate. This word could also be translated reasonable. Now, Jesus was gentle, was he not? He was reasonable, was he not? He listened to the woman at the well. He treated her with compassion. She was wrong, but he still allowed her to speak. This coincides well with someone who is peaceable 
someone who is willing to get along with others when possible and appropriate. Now, we're not to yield on matters of doctrine or theology or morality, the Bible, etc. That's not what James is saying. But a wise person is willing to yield in matters of opinion or preference, especially in the Christian's life. Because the one who has wisdom from God realizes that his opinion doesn't matter anyways. Now we set that in the greater context of James talking about relationships within the church. It makes perfectly sense, perfect sense. <clears throat> Finally, he says, full of mercy and good fruit. When you put all this together, a church that is full of people who have true wisdom from God will be peaceable and walk in divine unity with God and each other. So we see the display of wisdom is righteous living. We see the definition of wisdom. It's those who know God and actually apply that in their lives. And it's seen because the fruit of the Spirit pervades in their life, peace, love, joy, etc. And we see that the ways of the world that are so selfish, so self-centered, and so godless, they said that's not real wisdom at all. That's from hell. And then finally we come to verse 18 and we see the dividends of true wisdom. What's the payoff? What's the big deal? Well, in verse 18 he says, Now the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The payoff, the dividend of true wisdom is peace. Now consider how the world is full of strife, anger, and confusion. Yet you take some dear old saint who really has nothing except their faith in Jesus and they are peaceful and satisfied and go about making peace. Why? Because they are wise according to God. Because through the wisdom of God, they realize that only the things of God matter in eternal perspective. They walk in the ways of God according to the word of God, and they find divine favor in their life. That's true wisdom, to know God and to make him known, to apply the truth of his word, not simply to intellectually assent to it. And that's the difference between true wisdom and false wisdom. So again, we look at what the world calls wisdom, and we see that they're truly not wise at all. I mean, my mind thinks about um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the uh, famous astrophysicist, so intelligent, but yet at the same time so foolish. He's intelligent enough to work in the field of astrophysics, but he's foolish enough to think there's more than two genders and that God doesn't exist. So we see you can be wise in the ways of the world, but it's truly foolishness because it comes to nothing. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Hath not God made the things, the wisdom of this world foolish? He's made it as foolishness because it equals nothing. But yet to be wise in the word of God and to apply that, and to live in that, that's true wisdom. And so I think as people of God, we need to make sure that we are wise and where, where it counts. That we are wise according to God and not according to the world. God bless you and keep studying the book of James. And I hope that you will tune in again next time.